right. Well, I, I too have had uh, plenty of, of, of tumbling stories uh, as well. One of my favorite ones was uh, when I was uh, working with high school kids in, in Ohio, my first job out of, out of college, we were, um, uh, they, a lot of my kids were in track and field. And so I was uh, working for them, and I was one of the time guys, you know. And, and so they had these uh, stairs where they were the, some guys would be on the first stair, second stair, third. And I was all up on the fourth one, so we'd all be high enough, you know, to, to catch them when they came right across the line with a stopwatch. So these guys, I don't know, that thing's like the 100-yard dash, and they all run down, and it was a rainy, just really gross, rainy, cold, Midwestern day. And uh, so they came by, and I hit them with my stopwatch. And, uh, and it, when it was done, and so then we were supposed to uh, go hand in our times to everybody. And I went, and I went to jump off, and the same thing happened. My foot caught it from the top level, and I went total face first right into a mud puddle. And just laid there. See, that, that's how you get high school kids to want to, you know, follow you and, and be involved. Total humiliation in front of everybody. And you know what the best part was? Is everybody just laughed, Right? Everybody laughed, and there was one dude, one dude who came up with a towel. You know, he needed more like a, a whole boatload of towels, but he gave me one little towel to, to help me out. Um, falling uh, can be kind of um, an embarrassing thing, but I, I also, also want to just show you an example. Rusty, would you come up here real quick? Give it up for Rusty. So um, we had a great day yesterday, didn't we? Yes. It was awesome. Uh, we got a bunch of guys together and met at Murray Park uh, yesterday and played uh, some volleyball and some football. And uh, we, were, we were out there as the lightning and the thunder hit, and, uh, which was great. Uh, I think we got under the uh, pavilion just in time, though. We did. Yeah, Man. Barely. Barely. Yeah. So, but it, we just had a blast. Okay. So here's, here's what I want to see if you can do for me, Rusty. Rusty's a pretty big guy. Um, I want you to get into a stance where you feel like I won't be able to move you. All right? <laughs> Show me what, oh, baby. The, by the way, this dude can play some football, man. Anybody else who was out there yesterday, you'll know that. All right? You ready? Yep. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Good, man. That was pretty one more. I, I want to, okay. Ready to go. <clears throat> All right, that was impressive. <laughs> All right, very good. Okay. That was pretty good, man. All right. Would we switch? No, no. Now and now. <laughs> Enough humiliation in one day. Okay, now what I want you to do. Here's come over this way a little bit. All right. Now, I want you to do, did you see Karate Kid? Yeah. Okay. Which one? Uh, any one, of them. Two, three, or the new one? Let's do one. The original. The original. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. So, with Karate Kid, give the famous Ralph Macchio, whatever his name is. The, yeah, do that. Okay. Up there. Okay. <laughs> Try that again. Just do that again. Okay, very nice. In fact, hold your hands out like this. Just kind of, yeah, all right. All right, cool. All right. Very easy. Okay, thanks. Go ahead and have a seat. Get up for Rusty. Oh, you guys are so funny. When I, I was thinking about that, <clears throat> that sometimes life can feel like really out of control. And when life feels out of control... What do you want to do immediately? What do you want to do? You want to control it, right? You want to be in control. And, and so I feel like this, like, so if stuff is chaotic or stuff is crazy around you, the first thing that will happen is you'll, you'll, just, you'll buckle down because you want to be in control. When things are out of control, 
We want to be in control. But there's an opposite way, because that's what we're talking about here, this whole series. There's an opposite way. When things are out of control, instead of being in control, you could also be under control. And what's interesting, to be under control um, was kind of this, this picture for me. Um, if you, if you, oh, I can't even stand there like that. But if you put yourself in a position like this, then you actually can be pretty easily moved and you can feel out of control. But one of the things that we find all over in the place uh, from Genesis to Revelation in the scripture is there is one who is in complete control. Totally. And what's awesome is he allows us the opportunity to actually be under his control. And when that happens, it's a completely opposite way because human nature says, I'm going to control things. I'm going to do my life. I'm going to make things work the way that I want them to. And then God goes, but you know what I want you to do? I, I, I want you to just to do this. I, I want you in a position so that, and, and here's my verse, John 3, 8. You guys don't know if Jesus was talking to Nicodemus here. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. The wind blows wherever it pleases, and you hear its sound. But you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, and so it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. And so, one of the most opposite ways against human nature is really what the Scriptures teach all the time, and it's this ability where God just says, okay, I want you to give up this and, and to do this. So that when the wind blows, literally what it's like is you pull up anchor and you put up the sail and then you just say, God, just go and blow with me. Have me, take me, be whatever you want with me. And so one of the questions uh, for me is, is, is constantly trying to figure out where is my stance before the Lord? What is my stance before the Lord? Um, is it this or, or is it this? And, and I just want to say um, real quick, in fact, if there's a way, I don't know if there's, could I have the lights up just a little bit more? Um, is that possible, just the house lights in general? Oh, there you are, you beautiful people. Awesome. I just want to say um, today, before we just go any, into this message, which I'm really excited to share with you guys, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to you guys. Because many of you have been a part of this South Campus from the very beginning, or you've come within the last year and a half that we've been running this puppy down here, and your stance before the Lord has been this. You, you have just lived lives that are completely open. And God has used you, and He has moved in you, and He has accomplished awesome things for you. And, and I just want to, I, I just couldn't wait to come down here uh, this weekend and just say thank you. Thanks for live, literally living in a stance that's wide open to God. Now, here's one thing that we know. I know, I know this over and over again. And that is that, is that it is never easy to trust God. 
It never is. Much less is it easy to trust people. Because people are screwed up. You guys ever think about that? I mean, like seriously, like God is perfect, and he never does anything wrong, and yet we'll struggle to trust him. And people aren't perfect, and it's, so it's a lot harder to be able to trust them. And I, you know, we have a stay, saying here that it's K2 the church, an adventure with God. And I, I honestly, I love the adventure. I really do. There's no other way that I want to live my life except by living in an adventurous faith with God. But, just by definition, <laughs> adventure means that there is fear, that there are questions, that there are times when we wonder if you're really on an adventure, the, uh, the future, lots of things that your steps that you're taking are in the unknown. There's challenges and there's risk always in an adventure. And, um, and so, uh, in, in case, if, if some of you weren't here last week, and I know Lad just mentioned it here, um, but we have, as, for eight months, we've, we've been working and searching and seeking and following God. And I, we have just come to a place where we have realized, you guys, that God has dreams. And he always tells us this, that his dreams are far beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. And as we're following him, and as we're looking at what God is doing, the future for us, it just seems like God is moving us into a place of wanting K2 to have more impact. And I, I thought we were dreaming big, but now I believe that God is cause, calling us to have more impact than we ever thought we could before. And in this eight-month process, it got to a place where we realized that synergy, the North Campus and the South Campus coming together, and that's what synergy is. It's when two things come together and they're better this way than they were apart. We, we really think that God is calling K2 to come together to accomplish its mission of multiplying itself all over the valley. And so, so that's what we're doing, and we're really excited about that, and we're excited about bringing us all together. But I know this, that change, even when it's really good change, can be really hard change. And, and that is just true. When Susie and I got married, I must say, I think it was awesome. It was fantastic. She was psyched out of her gourd to be married to me. And um, I know it's hard to believe, but it was true. No, but we're, we're newly married, and everything was great. And yet, she had so much change in her life by moving out of her culture and leaving her job and leaving her family and moving to, from the mountains of Montana into the suburbs of Detroit. It was sucking the life out of her, you know, to live in that component. And so even though everything was good... The change still was really hard. And so I, I, I want to say a couple things to you guys uh, before we jump in the message here. And that is, we, we know that. I, I think for us, and especially with the ride that we've been on down here at South Campus, um, and if you weren't, can I just ask real quick, just so I know, how many of you were not here last week? How many of you were not here? Okay, just a few of you. So the rest of you guys got to see the amazing work as Lad had you guys stand up. And see what God has done and see who he's brought to himself for the first time and see what community has happened. There is not one ounce of question within us if this wasn't what God wanted us to do. Not one. But we believe this was the step to move us to the next step. Did you guys know that? That God never stops working? That he's always on the move? And right when whatever you're doing, 
in that moment, it is what you're supposed to be doing. And at the same time, in that moment, he is always equipping you for what is next. And then you live that moment fully, and then he moves you on to what is next. It's just how he works. And so, but I just, I want to I tell you guys this too, because I, um, just in conversations I'm having with, with different people, I know that some of you guys are just going, man, I'm, I'm excited. And again, that's why I just want to say thank you to you. Because I keep hearing people say, man, almost most people we're talking to are, are really excited. But even if you're excited about the impact that God could do, there's still a, there's still a sadness at the, at the potential of what could be lost. And so um, I just want to uh, invite you, and I know Lad did this, but man, you guys, if there's any way that we can come alongside you, and just walk with you and talk with you. And I know some of you go, you don't want to say anything because you don't want us to think that you're not on board even though you're on board. And I understand all that. But I just want to say, we just want to come alongside. We want to walk through this thing and we want to see God do amazing stuff. And I'm going to say one other thing before we jump in. Here's the other thing. When we come back together, you guys, that, that campus is going to be packed with all of us. And I, I, I think some of you might feel like, wow, man, this has been awesome what I've been a part of. And... Now I'm going to go up there, and I don't know if I'm going to even be needed. I don't know how I'm going to fit in. And, man, I want to tell you, our staff has been working hardcore because every single one of you is critical to K2 and critical to the mission. And so, um, so I just want to say one last time, thank you for living like this. But the problem is when you live like this, you can be easily blown. You can be easily moved. But when that wind blows from the Spirit of God, you want to be like this. You want to live a life where there's openness for God to do more than we could ever ask and more than we could ever imagine, making a greater impact for eternity than we could ever do except by following Him. And so, so let me just pray. Let's pray together, and then we'll jump into this passage, and we'll, we'll dive in. Father, I just want to ask for your blessing on everybody in this room. I want to ask that your spirit would just come in this place right here, right now. And that you would use your word to speak to us, to reveal your amazing love for us, to encourage us, to unite us, to bring us to a place where, God, you show, even today, right now, Lord, I know you know every heart in this room. And I just want to pray that you would shine your light of your face, your beauty, into every one of our hearts today. I want to ask that we might see you in a way maybe that we've never seen you before. We love you. We thank you for loving us. And we trust you to move with you, to do all that you're doing, and to join with you. And we thank you, Lord, for the unbelievable privilege to do that. So in this morning, may you just come and reveal something to us deeply about what it is to know you and to be in relationship with you. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So what I want to talk about today is why being under control and having an open stance and living in a place of trust is really the way to live. See, because again, human nature says, no, this is the way to live. Why is it, why is the way to really live being in a complete place of trust and openness to God? All right? 
So we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, um, open up to Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's in the Old Testament. Um, I know lots of times I talk with people and people are like, oh, the Old Testament. Um, but then I was talking to somebody this last week. How many of you have read the Old Testament? Okay. Now, if they made that into a movie, would that not be an awesome movie? I, I mean, you know, none of your kids could watch it. It, it would be so rated R. There's so much adventure and so much scandal and so much. It's unbelievable, the story in the Old Testament. So where we're at in Deuteronomy chapter 8 is Moses has led the Israelites out of captivity from Egypt, and they've wandered around for their 40 years, and they're standing there getting ready to go into the promised land. And so before they go into the promised land, Moses stands there, it, it, starting off with Deuteronomy, he says, okay, guys, we're going to do a recap here. I'm going to run down, I'm just going to show you what everything's happened, we're going to remember everything that God has done. And I'm going to try to prepare you as much as possible for moving in to this promised land. So that's what's happening in Deuteronomy chapter, actually, Deuteronomy, the whole book. But uh, let's go ahead to chapter 8, and we're going to start with verse 1. And Moses says, be careful to follow every command that I'm giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised you on oath to your forefathers. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Okay. What you'll find, you guys, in Scripture, and I believe that God wants to say to every single one of us, is this. Don't ever forget that God wants you to what? Is it up there? What does he want you to do? He wants you to live. He wants you to live. So Moses starts off and he says, you guys, we've got to remember this about God. God always wants you to live. And, he says, and I want you to increase. I want, see, when something's alive and when it's growing, it increases. And he says, I want you to increase. And, he says, I want you to possess the land. Now, you know, you, many times, no, 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 you have to be really careful when you read the Old Testament. Because God made it really clear to the Israelites, I have a promised land for you. <laughs> and I'm taking you there. And, it was still really hard for the Israelites to believe that that was true. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if God has ever said to me as clearly as he did the Israelites about a promise. He's never made a promise to me that clearly about anything. You guys know what I'm saying? So you can't like claim this and say, okay, God, but here's what you can claim, I believe, is that God has a will for you. He has a plan for you. He knew the days ordained for you before one of them came to be. And he wants you to live your purpose. He wants you to fully, completely be everything that he's created you to do. And you guys, this is a core belief right here. Jesus said, I came so that you could have life and life to the full. I want you to live. But you know what's interesting? I was just talking to somebody this last week. And their struggle is this right here. They, can't, every, they grew up in a, in a kind of a, a religious environment. And they literally feel like, if I give my life to God totally, 
he's going to screw it all up. How many of you have ever felt that way? Oh, come on. How many of you ever felt that way? Seriously, I mean, I went to Asbury College, this Christian school, and I just knew this. If I was going to give my life to Christ, he was going to make me a missionary. He was going to send me to Africa. Anybody ever hear that one? I mean, you just knew it because if God, if you really give your life to God, he's going to make you miserable. He likes pain and he likes suffering and your life is just going to be horrible if you give your life to God. I'm telling you, the enemy, one of his greatest schemes is to get us to not believe that God wants us to live. Now, is there suffering? Is there suffering? Yes. Jesus said, in this world you're going to have trouble. He didn't say, hey, receive me and I'll take away all your trouble. You know, wouldn't that be great? The, the health and, you know, wealth, you know, gospels. Like, man, if you just accept Jesus, everything's going to come together. You're going to start making lots of money. You're never going to get sick. It's like, that's a bunch of lies. But he says this, if you give me your life, you are going to live and increase and prosper. Deuteronomy 1, at the very beginning, <laughs> uh, Moses is talking to these guys, the Israelites, and he says, you grumbled in your tents and you said, you said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, these guys got to see the Lord do amazing miracles to deliver them out of Egypt, part a Red Sea so that they could go through in safety. When they got on the other side, the waves crashed through on their enemies. I mean, God did unbelievable things. And then, as soon as it started to get nasty, they said, what? The Lord hates us. The whole reason he did this was to bring us out of, just to deliver us into the Amorites and to destroy us. And, and you guys, I just know that in my heart, one of the biggest challenges I have is to believe that God loves me. I know it here, right? I say all the time, it's like, Jesus loves me, this I know, right? Because the Bible tells me so. It doesn't feel like it at all, but I'm supposed to, you know, so we believe it in here, but I'm telling you, at the core belief, Moses always starts off and he says, know this, God wants you to live. So, the next thing that happens is he leads us. Because he wants us to live, he leads us. And here's verse 2. He says, remember how the Lord, your God, led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his heart, keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your hearts that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines you. So here's what God says. I want you to live, and I want you to increase And I want you to possess the plans that I have for you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead you. And the first thing he says is, I'm going to lead you to humble you. I'm going to lead you to humble you. Why would God want us to be humble? Anybody? Why would God want us to be humble? I think one of the biggest things for us, we, we talked on it two weeks ago, is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
So you guys, when there's a place of humility, there's a place of dependency, of complete reliance upon God. And what's interesting is he says, he caused need to show you his goodness and faithfulness. He goes, I'm actually going to cause you to be hungry so that I can actually feed you. I'm going to lead you, and I'm going to get you to a place where you finally know that I am going to provide for you in amazing ways, ways that you never knew were possible. He said, you guys and your forefathers, they had no idea what manna even was. Nobody even knew it could exist. And so I caused you to hunger just so you could come to a place where you would know I could provide for you in ways that you never dreamed. So he leads us to humble us. Then he leads to test us to find out what is in our hearts. And I I just know for me, I would say just in the last month, I've had a kind of a a whole new revelation for me in my heart. And that is, I I feel like God is helping me to see that when something happens to me, he tests, he goes, I'm going to test you a lot because I just want you to, I just want to show you what's in your heart. And um, I was in a training a little while ago and a a gal just said that. She just shared, you because sometimes we'll say to somebody, man, you make me so angry, Right? Anybody ever say that to somebody? You make me so angry. And then what she said was, though somebody could come up to you saying, man, you're just, you're just stupid. You have no idea what you're doing. And you could get, you, right, you could react to that and get really defensive, right? Or you could go, you know what, I was thinking the same thing. I, I was tending to agree with you. You're right, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. See, so in other words, did that person make you angry? No, see, One person can do the same thing, and there can be two completely different responses. So when a circumstance happens in your life, what I'm finally realizing now is that all God's doing is showing me what's in my heart. And I'm able now, when I get anxious, I don't know if anybody else in here ever get anxious, (laughs) sometimes I wake up in the morning and the first thing I feel is like, "Ah," and I don't even know why. But now I'm realizing when a circumstance causes anxiety, God is just helping me to know. David, just wanted to know. You got some anxiety in there. I just wanted you to know that there's more room for you to know my goodness and to know my love. There's just places where you don't trust me yet. And so he's going to test us. See, and that's a loving thing to do. God's just saying, I just want to rise up what's in your heart so I can help you be free and to be full and completely who you're meant to be. So he leads us to humble us, then he says he leads us to test us, but then he leads us to teach us. He leads us to teach us. You guys, isn't it awesome to know that as long as you live down here, you're never going to know everything about God? I love the fact that the more I get to know him, the more I realize I don't know him. And the more he has for me. And so what God wants to do all the time is just teach us. And he wants to reveal more things that are true about him. And I I just sit there, in every one of us in this room, there's not a person in this room who your full understanding of God at this point right here on May 15th, 2011, is only based on the experiences and the things that you've learned and been taught to this point. Does that make any sense? All that you know about God is just based on what you've experienced up to this point. How much more living do you got to do? I mean, I'm hoping I have another 40 years. And you know what's going to happen? Tomorrow, I'm going to know more about God. 
and the next day and the next week and the next year because he's always wanting to teach me things. He's going to lead me and lead me and lead me to teach me and to reveal more of who he is. And I love that. So then he says, so you guys just got to know at the very end, he says, so know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. And whenever we hear the word discipline, how many of you just love that? You love that word discipline? My kids love it. Mary loves it because you know a little more. No, he's kidding. No, but no, but, but that word discipline, if you, as soon as you feel that, it's like I can just picture God going, Nelson, bam, 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 you know. No, um, that's not what discipline means. You know what discipline is? Discipline is training you up. And every single one of us knows something. Whenever you've gone through discipline, on the other side, you know what there is? Freedom. Discipline brings freedom, right? Kyle was up here, uh, Kugler up here earlier, you know, before you guys came in, and they were totally doing the journey. What was the song? Yo, Don't Stop Believing. You guys know the journey song, Don't Stop Believing? So Kyle's up here, just showing off and stuff, you know, playing around. And I just sat there and I thought, here's why. Kyle's free to play because he's gone through the discipline, right? Through the training. And so you guys, for your heart and for your soul, and all of you guys who are parents, right, why do we discipline our kids? Because we're training them to hopefully be free to, from all the junk that wants to destroy their life. I mean, seriously, discipline is so hard, and yet the only reason you do it as a parent is because you love them. If you love yourself, then you don't discipline them, right? Because it's just too hard, and we don't like the conflict. But because you love your kid, you discipline them because you want them to be free free from everything that would hinder them from really living and free to be everything they've got and so god leads us to discipline us so we can be free now he says all of this i'm going to humble you test you teach you discipline you why for one reason for one reason he says so that you will know that man doesn't live on bread alone but that he lives on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay. If we can get anything here today, I, I, I just, this is what I've been praying for today. If we could actually believe this right here, our whole lives would change. Everything would change. If we could come to the point where we really believe that we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, you know what's interesting? You guys remember when Jesus got tempted? You know, it, it's the very beginning. He, you know, he gets baptized, and, and he, he, right before he starts his ministry, the very first thing that happens is what? He gets led. This is really interesting, you guys. Jesus gets led. Who else got led? The Israelites. Where'd the Israelites get led? Into the desert. Where'd Jesus get led? Into the desert. <laughs> And so then, the Israelites failed over and over again, right? They, the test came, and they, they would grumble, and they complained. They, they, they just didn't believe God really loved them. They didn't believe that he was for them. So Jesus gets led into the desert to be tested. And then what's the first test? Right? The enemy comes up and says, hey, dude, you're hungry, man. It's been 40 days. Why don't you turn that stone into some bread? 
And what does Jesus answer? Don't you know, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, being God, he knows what is right and what is true and what is good. And what he knows is this, is that every time we listen to God and every time that we follow him and every time that we obey his command and every time that we trust him, we stay close to him. And he is our life. Do you guys know that? See, now here's the point. I don't know if you know it because that was not a very good response. Do you know that God is your life? See, now here's the deal. Here's why it's the opposite way. Because the human nature says, no, to really live, and especially in America, and there's not one of us who's not guilty of this in this room. If you're really living, then you've got a lot of stuff, and you've got a lot of money, and you're really healthy, and your marriage is going great, and your family's fine, and you got tons. Now that's living. You know, you got a houseboat, you got, you got a, a Michigan, everybody had a cottage on a lake. See, that's living. And, and so God comes up and he says, no, you guys, you're, you guys need to know this, that we live, we really live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, where does this word come from? If we live by every word that comes from his mouth, well, we know this, right? So part of it is, you just got to get to know this thing. And every time you follow his word, you know what happens? You stay connected with God and your soul lives. You receive his love and his joy and his peace and his patience and his kind, all that fruit, all that God has for you. And you know what? Your soul, you guys, I love in the Psalms um, when David says, my soul thirsts for God. Because it does. It, your soul was created for God. But I can just tell you this. I don't know about you. My flesh does not thirst for God. Anybody know what I'm saying? My, th- my flesh doesn't thirst for him. My flesh thirsts for fun, to be honest with you. For comfort. For good food. For, for ease. That's, my flesh doesn't really like this guy a whole lot, to be honest with you. That's the battle that the Bible talks about. You have a nature inside of you that does not want to trust God. And so that's why when he comes and says, hey, you know what? If you can do this, you're going to live. We go, oh, no way, baby. Don't mess with my life. Don't mess with my job. Don't mess with my finance. Don't mess, don't mess with me. God goes, okay. As soon as you can go like this, the wind's going to come, and I'm going to blow you exactly where you were meant to be. True life, really living. That's why Jesus could say to his apostles, He said, you guys, I have food that you know nothing about. He goes, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's what nourishes me. That's what brings me life. That's what sustains me. That's what strengthens me. Is every time I do what God says, I find life. How many of you have experienced that? Okay, four of you. Okay, we need a few more people to experience that here. But I'm telling you, when you walk with God, you experience God. And that's life. And he just says, we, I'm telling you, we've got to understand that. 
We've got to understand that I really live when every word that comes from the mouth of God is received, ingested, trusted, believed in, followed, made a part of my very life, becoming the fabric of my being. Did you guys know you, you are what you eat? Right? You are what you eat. And spiritually, you are what you eat. So now here's what's interesting. So God goes off and, uh, and throw up verse, um, verse 12. And he says, now here's what's going to happen. I am going to bless you guys so greatly that it's going to be dangerous. I'm going to give you so much stuff that you can't believe. You've been wandering around the desert, and I'm going to give you so much stuff that it's going to blow you away. But here's what he says in verse 12. Sorry. He goes, otherwise, he goes, when you eat and are satisfied, and when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will actually become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble you and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, well, my power and the strength of my hand have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms the covenant which he has swore to your forefathers as it is today. See, guys, here's what, here's what God's saying. I want to bless you. And I want to tell you, every single one of you need to hear this today. God wants you to live. He wants you to live. He so wanted to bless his kids. And then he said, but you know what's going to happen, guys? As soon as you get in the promised land, you got to be really careful. Because as soon as you eat and are satisfied, right? So what are the things, and I love the Bible. The Bible just knows us. What are the things that keep us from really following God. Satisfaction. Pleasure. I won't have you raise your hands, but I can tell you these. Man, as soon as you're experiencing pleasure, it's hard to keep walking with God. And then he goes, be careful when you settle in fine houses. Because I'm telling you, when you settle in a fine house, now you've got familiarity, you've got security, you've got an investment, you've got comfort. (laughs) He goes, and as soon as you have all those things, you're going to be tempted to forget me. And then herds and flocks are going to grow. And you get successful. And you know what happens when you get successful? You want more success. <laughs> and you feel significant when you're successful. And so then you have to be careful because as soon as you get successful, God says, you could forget me. And then your money is going to increase. And it's so weird. Isn't that funny? Because I'll, I'll probably all of us say, man, if I just had like just $10,000 more, that'd be awesome. And then you get $10,000 more, and then what would you want? $10,000 more. You know, that's why, wasn't it Howard Hughes who said that, you know? How much is enough? Just a little bit more? It was something like that? So money increases, and money always battles our heart for God. And then he says, and everything you have is going to be multiplied. You're going to accumulate stuff. And then when you have stuff, and it's yours, and you have possessions, the more you have, now you got more to care about. Isn't that crazy? And then you have a tendency to forget God. And then he says, and sometimes we'll think, I'm the one who did this. I'm the one who increased. I'm the one who made myself this. And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Just remember, God's the one who actually gave you the ability to do this. 
So you guys, this, this has got to be a crazy conundrum for God. Because God is up there wanting to bless every single one of us greatly. And yet he knows that his blessings can cause us to forget him. Isn't that crazy? Now just think in your own heart. Just think in your own heart right now. What do you want? What do you want more than anything else in this world? What do you want more than anything else in this world? Because everything that just got listed is so tempting for me to want more than anything else in this world. To have pleasure. To be satisfied. To be significant. To settle in a fine home. To have things and to have increase. If you're human, I think you want those things. But what do you want more than anything else in this world? Do you believe that you actually live by every word? that comes from the mouth of God? And do you want him more than anything? More than anything. Like Paul who said, everything in this world is garbage compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know, I don't know about you, but there are times when I just sit there And my flesh is so strongly desiring the things of this world. And my soul is dying. You ever ever been there? Your soul is just like thirsty. It's empty. It's dry. You have no love. You have no peace. You have no joy. But you got stuff And I just want to remind you today, man does not live on bread alone. Now, do we need bread? Yep. But you live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every time you say yes to God, and every time you follow God, and every time the Spirit moves in your being and you say yes, God, every time you die to your own selfish ways and say yes to God, your soul comes alive. And I don't want anything else for you because I know your soul literally wants nothing else. And I don't want anything else for me and I don't want anything else for this church except to know the living God because then we'll be alive and we'll be free and we'll be powerful and we'll make a change Not only in your own life and in your own marriage and in your own family, but in this whole world, we'll make a change. As long as we stay willing to follow him and to keep in step with him and do everything he asks us to do. And this I know, his ways are not my ways. Anybody else know that? But they're good. 
and they're right, and they're complete. So, let me just close with this. So here's what he said. In fact, Ben, you guys can come on up as I close. Let me just close with this. How in the world do we, can we receive God's blessings and still make sure that they don't control our life? Do you guys know that? Do you guys, how many of you in here know somebody who just has tons of blessings, like all types of blessings, and yet you just know they're completely free and they live wholeheartedly for Jesus? Anybody know people like that? You know? So because lots of times people will say, well, if you're really following Christ, you won't have anything. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Because how many of you know people who have nothing, have very little, and have no life with Christ? See, it actually isn't about what you have. It's not about the blessings. It's about whether the blessings grab your heart or not. And that's why God says, I'm going to lead you, and over and over again, I'm going to humble you, I'm going to test you so that you know what's in your heart, I'm going to discipline you so you can be free from the lure of all the stuff of this world, so that you'll be free to follow me. Now, how in the world? How can we make sure that we stay in that place? In verse 6, he says, Observe the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways and revere him. Obey the commands of the Lord, walk in his ways, and revere him. Look at the next verse. Because the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land with streams and pools of water and springs flowing in the valleys and hills. A land with wheat. Remember where they were? They were in the desert. Does this sound good if you're in the desert? A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey. Raspberry, white chocolate, cheesecake. It's got to be in there somewhere. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. You guys, I am leading you into a land that's going to bless your socks off. So, make sure you obey my commands. Make sure you walk in my ways and revere him. And then the last thing it says in verse 10, because when you have eaten and you are satisfied, what does he say to do? Praise the Lord. Lord. Let me read that again. When you have eaten and you're satisfied, now say it with me, praise the Lord, your God, for the good that he's given you. You know what's so cool? Go ahead and everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Many of you in this room right here have been so blessed by God And we got to be careful to make sure that those blessings don't take his place. And he says, I want to bless you, but I want to make sure they don't grab your heart. How can you keep your heart free from that and still devoted where I want to live by every word, God? He says, praise me. Praise me. Remember that I am the one who even gave you the ability to do anything that you have. Remember that I'm the one who brings the blessings. Just, that'll be one of, one of his ways to help us to stay in that. It's just praise him and give him thanks. Because once you give him thanks, you guys, it just lifts your heart back up to him and you say, I'm with you, God. Now, some of you right now, I, I, definitely in a room this size, man, you're in the desert right now. And some of you are wandering around and you've been in there for 40 years. He might, he might be in a place where he's just testing you right now. He might be in a place where he's humbling you right now. See, and your human nature goes, I ain't, just like my little six-year-old. See, we, we don't want to be humbled. 
And we don't want to be tested. And we don't want to be disciplined. But I'm telling you, if you're in that desert place right now, all he's doing is getting ready to set you free. All he's doing is showing you what's in your heart. All he's doing is drawing you back to yourself. Because if he can humble you, then you'll come to a place where you need him. And as soon as you need him, what does he do? He'll provide for you. And then you'll know one more time, he really does love me. He really does love me. He really is faithful. And he's really worth following. So observe his commands. Follow his ways. Stay close to him. Do not move away from him because you live when you follow every word that comes from the mouth of God.